Welcome to another Digital Tourism Show. And in this video, we are joined by two guest speakers. We'll be once again speaking with Alex Bainbridge, the former founder and creator of Tour CMS, and who was instrumental in creating online booking platforms and connecting that with uh, other, other systems like Viator, Get Your Guide, and Expedia. He will be joined by Peter Sim, uh, the owner of A Thousand Journeys and Splash Whitewater Rafting, amongst other small businesses. Now, Peter is a very outspoken person when it comes to the industry, but a very knowledgeable one. And he will be joined by Alex, where we discuss the current state of tours and activities, both in Scotland, where we're based, and abroad. So if you want to know more about tours and activities and what this means for the whole industry, this is a video you don't want to miss. Thanks, guys. It's me again, sorry. <laughs> well, that's why I'm going to give my first question to Peter, because I think you've done enough speaking yep. today. So, Using big words that no one understands. Yeah. Yeah. So in this uh, session, we're going to talk about the current state of the industry and the current state of tours and activities, um, especially, obviously, in Scotland, but obviously in a whole as well. So I'm basically just going to come out and say, Peter, what's your opinion uh, of... Scotland in terms of tourism activities in the industry. Are we in a good place or a bad place right now? Uh, and I know you'll be honest. <laughs> tourism activities, uh, are we in a good place or bad place in Scotland? Well, let's take the bigger picture and then come down to Scotland because at the end of the day, Scotland's a wee place with five million people in a global context. Global context, tourism activities globally are booming and they're going to continue to boom at a faster rate than they are booming now. Why? Because you've got a middle class coming from Southeast Asia, growing at a rate that's unbelievable, who want to travel, and when people travel, they do tours and activities. So we haven't even seen the start of the growth that tours and activities are experiencing at the moment. Drill that into Scotland, we're obviously going to share on a part of that. Scotland's in a unique position that it has a brand, even though we're a tiny little country stuck in the Atlantic, we have a brand that's globally known the word Scotland, therefore we have a unique advantage in the tours and activities industry that is one of the main reasons that people travel to experience things in the country they're in. So in my opinion, Scotland will still attract a huge amount of traffic coming in and growing going forward. Will the tours and activities sector benefit from that? Yes. Are we doing a good job of it? Yes and no. When I mean yes and no, from a delivery point of the guide and the experiencing happening, we are doing an outstanding job. And that's not my opinion. That's TripAdvisor's opinion based on data. Right? So there's publicly available data that shows you all the scores of all the countries drilled down to regions. So you can look at Glasgow, you can look at uh, Perthshire, you can look at Argyll and see the quality of the score of the experiences being delivered based on TripAdvisor data, which is the biggest data set, half a billion users a month in the world. So Scotland consistently scores higher than anywhere else in the world for the quality of the experience it's given. It doesn't in restaurants, by the way, but they are climbing, but the experience. So the quality of the tour in Scotland is good. So, so far, that's all good news. So where's the bad news? We're pretty slow at the ground level. And when I say the ground level, that's the suppliers, the people like me, who supply product, we're pretty slow at adapting to the global technology changes that are changing at the speed of light. That, in fact, that's bollocks. We're not slow. We're, we're slug-like. Like we're coming along like a slug when everything in front of us is going at the speed of light. So we're great at delivering the product, but we're not great at connecting to the customer via the way the customer wants to be connected so they can find out about the product in the first place. And if you don't do that and you don't get a chance to deliver your product, you're going to have an issue. And so the issue for me with Scotland isn't the product mm -hmm. that we're delivering, it's how we're communicating with the customer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got to agree with that, to be honest, because you know, luckily through, through my own agency, we've dealt with so many different businesses throughout the world, you know, in different continents, and I, I, I believe Scotland are just so far behind in our technology. Considering to some countries that we should be well ahead of them, and we're not, we're so far behind, it's unbelievable. Even some 
the amount of people in this country who still don't have websites with booking platforms or even don't have a website still is, is shocking, absolutely shocking. So well, it's, I yeah, I just find that quite interesting because um, when I've worked, I, all I can do is compare Scotland with England and Wales and Northern Ireland. I don't have any expertise in Northern Ireland. Um, and there were, in, in Scotland, there were, I mean, maybe this isn't something that happens now, but there used to be a lot more grants. There's, there's certainly a whole tranche more grants for things like that. For, yeah. You're getting that stuff to happen than there is in uh, the rest of the UK. Yeah. In the rest of the UK, we don't have grants for that at all. Um, so I'm surprised if you, I mean, if, if you think you're in that position, then England and Wales are in a, in a, similar, in a similar situation, I would say. Yeah. Well, I'm lucky enough to travel all the time, uh, I've been to 130 countries, so I get a perspective of how it's happening mm. in each country, and I just left Morocco on Sunday there. It's the same in many, many places, and when I'm talking about being able to connect with a customer, this is a competitive advantage, and there's world-class technology companies that are brilliant at connecting with the customer. Your booking.coms, your trip advisors, they are absolutely world-class at connecting with the customer. And what is, in my opinion, is going to happen, and it's not just for Scotland, it's for lots of locations as well, platforms are going to dominate across the industry, and therefore your direct communication with the customer will get pushed down and down because you're not taking actions to be able to communicate the customer. There's going to be multiple layers of platforms in between you and your customer. Now, you can argue that's a good thing or a bad thing or a, a, a middle thing, depending on what your business is and where it is. But they are good at what they do. They're world-class at what they do. And we're world-class at delivering product on the ground. But we need to start becoming as nearly as good as these guys at communicating with the customer across, yeah. across platforms. And globally at the moment, no one in the industry from the tourism activities have really nailed it, but there's certainly better examples in Scotland for sure. Did you want to ask something? For yeah, I was just going to say that there is also, I mean, you don't want to go too far to the other extreme. I mean, you know, you position it as slug-like, yeah. um, but you also don't want to be at the other extreme. So it's not like you should suddenly take this, have this sort of conversion and suddenly go the other way. Because one of the, one of the other things that's very important is people's memories of the trip. And often the way that people discover something plays a very strong part of how to, how, what their memory of it is. So I'll give you a non-tour example, but if you walk around the corner and then all of a sudden there's a farmer's market and, you, and you've spent 20 minutes going around the stalls looking at all the local foods, that might not that, for you as the customer, you'll think, well, that was really nice. That was something unexpected. When, of course, the tour company knew exactly that was going to happen, because, but they just hadn't put it in the itinerary because they wanted you to discover it yourself, not to be told you are about to do this trip around the farmer's market. So sometimes you leave things out so that they will discover it themselves. So when we start talking about distribution to making all the bookings happen when someone is in their source market, are you getting Americans to book the things that they're going to do in Glasgow when they're sat on their ranch in the USA? That, that's good, and that's where all these OTAs are taking us, but it's also, it does slightly, we have to just sort of counter that slightly by going, just remember about the joy of discovery and just keep that in the back of your mind because that's what we want. We want more joy of discovery, and that means sometimes leaving some things until they actually get here. So I, as a technologist, of course, I want everything to be connected, but I always have to remember, what's the experience? The enjoy of discovery is a really important part. Some, something that kind of struck me last week, I was walking across the, the Sahara last week. And, uh, as you do. As you do. As you do. The first time I did it, I think it was 19, 1984, was the first trip I did across the Sahara. And the trip I did last week was exactly the same as the trip in 1984, not in the same region. But what the product was and what the service was, was exactly the same. There's been no real evolving of the product. It is a hard, physical, grinding trek across sand and dunes and wind and sun and heat and sweat. The product is the same. I'm not selling it, am I? <laughs> but around that experience from 1980, the 1980s to today, how people find that, how people discover it, how people connect with it and book it, how people then experience it out to the world 
Like, how many photographs did I take in the 80s going across there? I don't think I did take any. And people now take mobile phones, there's thousands of photos. So that just that one group, there's probably something like 3,000 photos out onto the world now. So all the development has been outside of the product, via, via communication, um, mobile phones, connecting, Wi-Fi, etc. Therefore, for tour companies and small businesses in Scotland now, where you used to start a business and get involved in a business and it was all about the passion of delivering the product and the excellent service, it still should be, but I really believe there needs to be someone in that business now that comes from a technology mm. uh, background and a technology understanding and a global understanding, social understanding. The chances of it being the guy or the girl who's delivering the fantastic experience and building the tour company and who is the same person is pretty, pretty rare. So where we have a background of starting all these small experience and tour companies in Scotland with an owner-manager running everything, I really think we need to start thinking of pairs and threes of people because the requirement on that owner-manager now is so huge compared with what it was 30 years ago. And the understanding level that they need to have now is so mm. huge compared with what it was 30 years ago. That 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 is one of the classic problems of being an entrepreneur in the local tours and activities sector, is really about those those people who are the um, tour guides who have converted into being tour entrepreneurs. Um, this, this problem doesn't happen in local hotels. If you uh, in a hotel, if you are, if you end up running an independent hotel, the chances are you will have spent a year or so working on bookings as either as a front desk staff, because that's what you do as a junior admin employee within a hotel. Whereas as a junior employee within a tour company, you're up a mountain, or you're riding a bike, and then you suddenly go, oh, actually, you know what? I'm going to go and set up my own little mountain bike tour company. And all of a sudden, you have to become an admin person when you've just spent 15 years not doing admin. Um, so, so we have this. We do actually have that crossover issue of how do you get people from who, who were great tour guides to become great tour entrepreneurs? Yeah. And that one of those is what you just described is now the level of you know the 15 years you spent climbing a mountain or cycling up a mountain on your motorbike, mountain bike don't really prepare you for being a tour entrepreneur now. No, we've spoken about the technology side and how we pretty much feel Scotland's a little bit behind in that side of things. So, Alex, you obviously created Tour CMS, one of the first booking platforms, as we mentioned. How do we make it easier for suppliers and operators and, and, and tour guides to then make themselves bookable? Make, how do we make that easier for them? Because there must be some sort of barrier there that's, that's stopping people from doing that. The, the barrier based on, and there's a connection here, I was one of Alex's first customers back in 2007 or something. I put my tour companies on Alex's technology there. Uh, but I had a technology background before that that I knew that was the way it was going, so I was jumping on anything that was coming. I'm amazed at 10, 11 years on that the majority of tour operators are still not on basic reservation systems. Uh, globally, there's tw depending on what numbers you get, 20 to 30,000 tour and activity companies using reservation systems that are connected to the world. There's a lot more using home-built, localised systems that will run their business but will not speak to anything. And then there's, anybody can guess the number, 100, 200,000 who are not using anything. So the adoption rate is still pretty slow. You can only pin it down to education. They just don't know because they've spent 15 years going up and down a mountain. Therefore, they can't see the benefit of doing it. Yeah. A lot of the technology historically was quite challenging mm. to adopt for the operator if they didn't have anybody in the business who had a technology bent. Yep. So it wasn't a plug and play solution. That's probably getting a lot easier today with the modern systems that are becoming more plug and play. So even if you're not into technology, you can be able to do it. Uh, but there's also that just that I'm happy with where I am because I don't need to play with all this technology because my diary is full of bookings. And that, up until now, has probably been an okay position. Going forward, that's a naive position. Because if your booking diary is full, that's come from somewhere. And it's not, people always say word of mouth. I don't know very few people who've got all their diary full of just word of mouth. 
It's come from Google, it's come from search, it's come from social. It's come from somewhere connected to the internet, a lot of it. And that ability to connect via that means is going to get harder and harder and harder as platforms dominate all of that means. Therefore, not being in that ecosystem of technology is a high, high risk strategy. I go as far as to say you're going to die. The business is not going to survive in this, the medium term, certainly not in the long term, but I believe in the medium term. So, so going back to the question, thinking about, well, what, what, how can you make this easier? Um, again, looking back to small independent hoteliers, because that's always a good example. If you put your small independent hotel onto a hotel reservation sort of PMS, property management system, and that property management system is connected to the big online travel agents, the Expedias, the bookings, the everyone else, um, you will start get to get bookings immediately. So you will, as a result of making a handful of hours effort, see bookings that you would not otherwise have seen. The problem with tours and activities systems up to this point um, is that you make all that effort and then you have to start connecting. So it's probably three or four weeks before you start seeing any kind of, oh, I'm, I'm not, so you're not getting any kind of tangible feel goods after all that effort kind of scenario. And I think that people need to see, you know, make the effort, get a response, make the effort, get a response. And if you don't do, if you don't correlate those two together, people just want to make the effort and then they don't see anything. It's like, oh, I'm not going to make, you know, why do I keep on making more effort? And so they kind of stop. Um, and, and, you know, and so I think we need people to have immediate benefits from um, using modern technologies rather than just, cool, that looks nice. You know, I want to see immediate benefit. And that normally means commercial, meaning bookings. Cool. Normally. Well, doesn't always. Yeah. I'm going to ch slightly change the subject at the moment. Uh, and Alex, I would like your opinion first. So a lot of you probably know all the stuff that's happening in the industry with OTAs purchasing booking platforms. And you've got companies like Airbnb and Get Your Guide doing their own tours and their own branded tours and activities. Is the age of the independent operator coming to an end? Are we, are we going in the same way as hotels when they're just a, a faceless entity behind booking.com or stuff like that? Is it coming to an end, the independent operator? Um, for tours, yes. And this is kind of that horrible, complicated word that I was trying not to use in my, in my talk before. For activities, no. Because activities require capital investment. You have to buy the whitewater raft, or you have to buy the hot air balloon, or whatever it happens to be. And the online travel agent's not going to do that. Uh, but for tours, like a walking tour around an urban city centre where you go to four or five places, there is no capital investment required. So what? Um, there's just knowledge that's required, and that's not a capital investment. Um, and so the online travel agent can stick someone in a T-shirt wearing their brand and deliver, deliver an experience. Now, you could argue, well, that's not such a good experience as this experience, because we've had 10 years' experience, we know exactly what we're doing, and they've just gone and got some students from the local university and put some T-shirts on them and blah. And you're like, yeah, but they've got a marketplace of hundreds of millions of customers, and they're putting their product in front of them, and they're not putting your product in front of them. Um, so, so I think we need to dive, d differentiate between uh, capital tours, capital-based tours, which are generally activities, and non-capital-based tours, like walking tours, uh, which are much easier for a big online travel agent to come in and replicate. Do you agree with that, Peel? Uh, yes, and a bit no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to give context, the OTAs at the moment only have 10% of the tourism activity mm. market compared with hotels in different regions. They have anywhere between 45 and 75%, some, some regions nearly 80%. So tourism activities is only 10% with the OTAs. So it's a tiny percentage they actually have. Uh, albeit that 10% is the fastest growing segment in the sector. So should tour and activity companies owners be worried if they only have 10%? Yes, because they've proven in the hotel sector that they can go take it to high percentages, even though hotels is much, much easier to do with than tours and activities. So as Alex saying, if it's a simple tour with not many moving parts or capital parts, it is going to be owned by the OTAs. They are going to win that battle. Okay? Because 
we haven't got the resources, we haven't got the knowledge, we haven't got the money to fight that battle. So if you're in that battle, you need to really, really look at your business. But if you're in a battle where the tour has multiple moving parts and capital, and it doesn't mm. just mean capital, it can be multiple moving parts. So to the OTA, it may look simple. So I'll use one of mine. If we're going down the, raft, down the River Tay on a raft, it looks a very simple tour to an OTA from their perspective. They should be able to dominate that. But that raft trip has multiple moving parts because the customers may be coming onto that trip from 15 different destinations. There's pickups in 15 destinations to get them there. Some are going to a whiskey tour afterwards, some are not. Some are having once, some are not. So there's different age groups, there's different groups. Some want private trips, some want, don't want trips. So there's lots of moving parts. The more moving parts in your product, the more protected it is hmm. from OTA taking it because there's too many moving parts for them to be able to retail it because you can't give them the service to retail it because you can't make all the moving parts bookable online at the same time. So the market will certainly split, and I believe fairly rapidly, with simple, straightforward tours being owned by OTAs. Whether they're branded as OTAs or not, mm -hmm. there'll be a, an yeah. overweight. But the more complex the your product, going in. Yeah. the more complex a product, the longer lifespan uh, an independent operator has. And for, for complexity, I'd also add uh, more personalised. So yeah. For, yeah. For, for example, what, when we talk about personalisation, which is making something suitable for Americans versus Chinese versus French, for example, uh, although that's a fairly top-level sort of classification, um, there's two ways of doing it. The big online travel agents are interested in filtering the 100,000 tours and activities that they've got on their platform and saying, well, these 5,000 are interesting. And you know, in your destination, these 20 out of the 50 that are in the destination match uh, that profile for your culture, for your uh, source market, for the fact that you're traveling with toddlers or whatever it happens to be. Um, <clears throat> But what's, what becomes more interesting, but that's just, that's just that's assuming that the product itself doesn't change. That's just a, a solid tour and activity that just can't change. What, what I think is, is where it gets more interesting is where you start changing the tour itself. So you have, much, you have many fewer tours. You say, you know what, instead of having hundreds of thousands, we have 10,000 highly configurable ones. And so that's when you get local experts who are, we heard earlier on, you know, who you're, you're the deliver personalized tours. That's not something an online travel agent can retail very easily. So there is safety in that because that can't be retailed very well. So it's, it, it is a, you know, but the, but the problem we've got with those is um, it's quite a hands-on business. So it relies on your staff, your tour guides being very good and having a lot of local expertise. And they're, they're hard people to, you know, get to that level of experience. Um, Whereas the kind of the more commoditized product, you know, you can, as I said, you can, you can hire a history student to start delivering history tours, and you, you can, you know, get new students every year to come and deliver those tours for you in the summer. Um, you know, so that you've got a slightly different kind of a setup. One of the, the opportunities that the supply base of tours and activity providers known as has, and we're terrible at this, but it is an opportunity, and it's still mm. a window of opportunity to grasp, is. Walking companies, city walking company tour operators tend to think their competition is other walking tour companies in the city, and it's not. And, and my competition isn't another rafting company in Persia, it's not. My competition is entertainment, right? Mm. So if I've got a group who have decided the third of March is when they're going away, I could be competing with a rugby match in Edinburgh, and a football match in Glasgow, uh, just going on the piss. And my competition isn't another mm. rafting company. We're in the entertainment business. Mm. Tours and activities are entertainment. They're experiences. And we're really not being good at understanding that. And therefore, we all operate as hundreds of thousands of small businesses competing with each other, whereas we could be forming collectives mm. in localised areas, global collectives, a bit like Travel Massive. This is what you're on at the moment, starting a little area. And now... It's a network all over the world. You could have collective of operators working in cities, and cities is a great one, where they work together, not fighting each other, to be able to reach the customer as well 
as the OTAs and give the customer the choice of product they need. I'm not saying that's going to be the solution, but it's certainly something that will give small operators a longer lead time and a longer lifetime by operating collective, and it will certainly enhance the customer experience. And then this is just a bugbear of mine. Uh, if a customer, and I'm guilty, this is a bugbear that I do, I press a button on my phone every week says booking.com and I book the hotel. I gave up phoning the hotel and tried to negotiate with them years ago because I got fed up because they hadn't trained their hotel staff to give me the same rate as on booking.com. So I press the button even though I know that money's ending up sitting in Cayman Islands bank account. Right? So I'm guilty of what I'm about to say. But if we're acting as collectives of operators and suppliers and we have enough that make the local hotel industry interested in the local transport industry, interested so they can present that to their customers mm. via that rather than via TripAdvisor or one of the OTAs, that money stays in the ecosystem. Even if you're paying the same amount of commission to the hotel, it will stay in the ecosystem because the hotel employs people, can, there's infrastructure being done. So that helps your tourism industry by keeping that revenue in your local area. Whereas when you start putting that revenue out to global scale Google, Facebook, booking platforms, that revenue ain't staying in your local ecosystem. Okay? It's sitting wherever the most tax efficient place in the world is for it. Okay? And that's just a fact. I'm not criticizing that, just business 101. But if you want to invest in your tourism industry, you need to start thinking about where the revenues are going and how you can better use the revenues collectively rather than just competing against each other. So can I, I'll give you a good example of a change in the next couple of years that, is, um, that will follow exactly what Peter just outlined. So for example, at the moment, you as a local tour company will go and do a deal with um, 10 hotel concierges in your city and you'll get to know them. Um, you may even give them some commission from time to time and you may even at Christmas give them a nice uh, check under the doormat because you don't want the hotel manager to find out what you're paying your concierges. Let's not talk about that. But you do those deals on a local basis, right? Who, who works with concierges? You don't need to tell me about the envelopes under the doormat. Who works with concierges, right? Okay, so that's massively important today. And it's local money, it stays in the locality. But in the future, I'm going to, sorry to say, but human hotel concierges are not going to be here. You're going to have voice assistants, Alexa, Google Home, whoever, Google Assistant, and they're going to be in your hotel room. You're going to talk to your hotel room. And of course, those, who's going to get those deals? Well, they're going to be chain negotiated deals. So they'll be head office negotiated deals. Because someone like Hilton will go, or Marriott will go and do a deal with, at a global level to get onto Alexa or to get onto Google Assistant. So all of a sudden, the transactions that used to be local economy transactions with the concierge have now just become global transactions. And you, you as a local tour company can't even access that. And that's where the big online travel agents are going to come in because they will go and do the deals with the hotel chains. Um, they'll probably use it as a sweetener for the hotel bookings. They'll say something like, you know, we want good rates for hotels, and in return, we'll put our online travel agent bookable tours onto all of your Alexa devices in all of your hotel rooms. Um, so tours and activities won't even be the primary party to, the nav to, that, uh, to that negotiation. It will be uh, all to do with hotel rates. So the money that Peter's just been talking about is all about to flow, that all that concierge booking um, is all about to flow away from local economies again and back to online travel agents. So it's all, it is all slightly heading in the slightly tricky direction. Yeah. But the, 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 the local, um, you talk about local groups, well effectively that is what a destination marketing organization is meant to be. Your local tourist board is meant to be that. Um, and you know, they don't often fulfill that function. I, I do a lot of consulting with tourist boards. Um, they often are, fulfill a much more sort of a marketing role rather than a representative role. Um, and you know, maybe there's an opportunity for some evolution for how tourist boards need to work, because that tourist board is the organization that can represent the local, the local economy. Yeah. Cool, Peter. Um, I've heard so many businesses uh, I've came across saying that there's, and this is off the back of the OTAs, that, that there's no point in them marketing their own sales or spending money in the marketing because they can't compete with your trip advisors, your, all these other OTAs, etc. But I know that you've been 
yourself being very successful with your own marketing, especially particularly on Facebook. So what advice would you give to, if there are any operators here that who feel that they can't market themselves and compete with these big guns? How, what advice would you mm -hmm. give them? First of all, if you believe your business is totally relying on the booking systems, tripadvisorbooking.com, and that is your business, good luck to you. Uh, because one overnight tweak of the algorithm not picked on you, your business can disappear overnight. And kind of, I've seen it happen and happen time again. New business opens in San Francisco. Within a month, they've got 4,000 customers. They think they're the greatest entrepreneur ever, again, because it's all come from the, uh, the platforms. That platform, at the end of the month, changes the algorithm. The rankings change. Your business has disappeared. So you don't control your business if your business is coming through platforms. You only control your business if you're controlling your distribution. That's the main thing, right? So if you understand that, that's not to say you don't use platforms. Of course you use platforms, and of course you distribute. But you've got to get it in a percentage of your business that makes sense economically and makes sense that you can ride the ups and the downs of kind of global crashes and uh, fluctuations and money and all the rest of it. Because at the moment we're benefiting because the pound is weak against the euro, but if that went the other way, we'd be struggling. So you have to have your business in a way that you can control it. The only way you can have that is have the majority of your business coming direct to you by direct customers. Now, that is getting increasingly harder. When I started, it was very easy. PPC with Google, when I started, was costing me 0.1 cent for a, a branded name, and I was winning left, right, and center. Right? So it's... It's much, as you all know, it's much, much harder now. I can pay five, six pounds for key terms now. However, there's things called social networks. Again, the platform, so you've got to be careful. Don't build your business around the platform because they can kill you overnight. But these platforms today give you more data than you've ever been able to get access to. And we've all heard the Cambridge Analytics story, which is a complete pile of bollocks, because that's what Facebook set up to do. And they will give me the same data that they were using and give you the same data that you're using. So you can use that data in mm. there by paying a bit of a lot of money and target direct the correct profile for your businesses using social media. It may change in the future, but at the moment, whatever your customer persona is, you understand who your customer is. You can reach that customer directly via Facebook or via other social sites at a scale that you've never been able to do before. Whatever scale you want to reach, you can do it. And it's cheap. It's super cheap, but it won't be for long because the price will, just as Google's PPC went up, the price mm. of reaching via social will increase. So, yeah, so fundamentally, the reason why Google price, advertising prices are expensive for day tours is because the multi-day tours are advertising on the same destinations and can pay more because they're selling a 500-pound tour rather than a 100-pound tour. Um, what's interesting about Google is there's this new, uh, relatively new concept called Reserve, or Google, Reserve with Google, I think it's called. Um, <clears throat> and that is a 0% commission Google booking platform. So you give to Google your uh, merchant account, effectively, well, payment sort of details, which means that the customer, when they pay on Google, actually that money goes straight into your account, and Google is not taking a single percentage commission. Now that has, if you compare that 0% option versus paying 20, 20 to 30% for Expedia, Vital, Get Your Guide, etc., that actually is quite interesting. And Google's doing it like that because um, they're not providing any customer service, so the customer will deal with you, and if the customer phones you at 2 o'clock in the morning, they phone you at 2 o'clock in the morning. There is no customer service. So that's what the online travel agents do for their money. Is they provide customer service and they provide all sorts of other things. So Google are, gonna, are trying to break the market by coming in at 0% commission. And if, uh, I, that's, that's going to be the interesting battle of the next 12, 18 months, is just watching uh, this 0% play from Google and just seeing how they can, if, they can, if it stays at 0%, firstly. And secondly, whether or not they add any additional advertising options on there to boost. But they, they originally designed that entire reserve of Google concept for things like hairdressers and you know, tanning salons and things like that. Uh, so, so tours and activities are kind of a, a little bit of an afterthought, it appears. Um, but you know, now they're on, it's, it's pretty interesting. So you should be on Reserve for Google. If you're not, do that. My opinion on that Reserve for Google, it's straightforward business. It's a common hmm. 
it's a come on. It'll be 0% for so long, but it will be a percent at some point because mm, yeah. they're not going to see all that massive transaction that they will capture going through and not put a percentage on it. But it's not going to go from 0 to 20 overnight. So it probably yeah. is a great value mm -hmm. direct connection for companies going forward that helps yeah. balance out against the, the OTAs and the indirect channels uh, to assist. It comes back to the only people that's going to be able to do that are people using reservation systems and technology. And yet lots and lots of suppliers are still not using the technology it connects to all of these people simply. So just, just a quick question on that because I want to get to the audience shortly. But out of all the OTAs or Google or Facebook, or who do you think is actually going to win that space? Or who would you like to win that space? Me. I'll, I'll win it. <laughs> because I'm the only one who's got autonomous vehicle sightseeing and they haven't got it yet. The person that wins, <laughs> the group that wins in today's world, future world, is the person that owns and controls the data. So in 2019, we've just entered it, January's just gone, there'll be more data created this year than in history. More this year than in history. Next year, more than in the history previous. So the data growth is, you can't get your head around what I just said there, because I repeat it, but I still can't get that volume round. So whoever controls the data wins. Oil is not valuable anymore. Gold's not valuable anymore. Data is the winner. So whatever con company controls the data best, manages the data that we are willing to give it without shafting us over, will win the battle. Well, let me rephrase it. Who do you think is doing the best job of it just now? Well, I think any company that is, you have to, you have to look at uh, Booking, Holdings and Expedia have got the best opportunity to win because they effectively get free traffic from their hotel and flight bookings. So when you book a flight or you book a hotel, that information, that data is then used to upsell you local tours and activities. So you've brought your flight to Glasgow, Here's three things that you can do. Here's your airport transfer. Um, companies, all the other companies in the sector, have to pay to acquire traffic themselves, or they have to partner with hotel chains or airlines, in which case they're revenue sharing. So every other company in the sector has, I'm talking about the big online travel agents, has to, it, um, has to share whatever revenue is made on a booking with someone else. Whereas Expedia and... Um, and, and booking holdings don't. They're effectively getting free traffic. So all their TV advertising is going to hotels. You put the hotel, Expedia's already uh, paid off the TV advert, bang, now you're being upsold tours and activities. So I would, I, would, um, I would say anyone who's got a source of free traffic has got a greater chance of winning than someone who does not have a source of free traffic. I would take the view that Alex is correct if you just focus in the travel, and obviously we're here because we're in travel, that travel is a small part of society. Most people only travel, although we're obsessed with it, most people only travel once or twice a year. So it's only important to them once or twice a year if you take out when they travel for work. Therefore, you have to look at organizations that are in people's lives on a daily basis. Who's in most people's lives on a mm. daily basis? It's Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all these social platforms, Google. Yeah. My, if you put me to say a company, Facebook has the volume globally of billions and it has the data of their billions, mm -hmm. therefore understanding the actions of that yeah. billions of people, therefore they can backfill anything they want. So if they wanted to take out a big chunky travel, they could if they decided to do it because they understand the data about me and you, mm -hmm. not just about yeah. our travel choices, but about our all life choices. Mm -hmm. And the more data you've got about someone, the more yeah. you can tailor it to. Yeah. For me, it's Facebook. I think Facebook yeah. will be the major winners in that. So my final question before we put it to the floor is, tours and activities, where will it be in five years' time? Autonomous cars. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from autonomous cars. Um, autonomous bikes. No. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think this, I mean, autonomous, that, this is a hundred-year change, autonomous mm -hmm. cars. Um, so it may be here, you know, it may be here in three, it may be here in seven. Um, we don't really know. That's one of the challenges of being an entrepreneur in that particular subspace. But anyway, um, the um, uh, yeah, I think you know, I think autonomous cars. I mean, that's okay. it. I mean, just the, the pure digitization of product. Mm -hmm. That's just what makes it different. That's what makes it different. Um, 
I, and, I, and I think there might be some sort of augmented reality things, but I, yeah. I, I think they're going to be interesting. I'd rather put my money in autonomous cars and yeah. reality, be honest. I also think there's going to be a lot of, um, uh, sort of games, because people love games, right? And I think there's a lot of city games that you can start playing um, that we've not really done yet. Um, so I think sort of the gamification of cities, we saw it with Pokemon Go. Um, I used to love going around Pokemon Go, collecting all these little animals. You know, I literally did that for six months. <laughs> so cool. Um, I think gamification of desti destinations. I mean, you know, someone will do one of those, but from a tourism perspective. I tried doing one last year where you had to, we did a game where you had to go and taste all the local foods in the city, which is a bit weird. But it was quite good because we found that, you know, um, um, America, Americans wanted um, uh, afternoon tea and Chinese wanted fish and chips. So, you know, it was quite... <laughs> but whether or not you can actually make a business out of that is another whole issue. But anyway, um, you know, it's the gamification of cities is kind of... So I think there's going to be, you know, I think that's where we're at. Yeah. Uh, on layers, there'll be much more customers, huge amount more customers. We're talking hundreds of millions more customers. There'll be much more supply base because there's tours and activity companies open there all the time, trying to match that demand that's coming in. Uh, you could ask, argue it's just getting dissipated. The platforms will become more important by quite a long way to supply that because they're better at it than the suppliers. The suppliers that will survive in five years and thrive are well, the ones who are also, they don't need to be technologists, but they need to understand and engage with technology. That's what I see yeah. in five years. But can I just say five years is a bit of a weird thing? Because um, I always, I always, one of the reasons why I'm asking to say that is because I always used to get, I always get asked at the end of every year, what's going to be big next year? And I'm like, oh, that's a bit of a, that's a really stupid question to ask a technologist. Because it takes us 24 months to build anything, right? So anything that comes out next year, even the year after next, we've already built. We just haven't shown it to you yet, okay? So five years is quite tricky because that's where a, a, a technology entrepreneur like me is actually looking because that's our, our sweet spot. So uh, that's the reason why I'm doing autonomous cars because I know it's going to take me another 24 months to keep building, okay? Just another 24 months and we'll be there. Um, and, and that's what you do. You have to do that. So five years is, is, is just at the tip of where you're thinking, I've, got, I've actually today... 2019 have to design a product that I'm going to be operating in 2024. Mm -hmm. We may so, also have an answer for Brexit in five years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I so, thought about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it is, it's really, it's a good, you know, because it, it takes technologists 24 months to build anything, right? And then it takes you another 24 months to get traction. So once you've built something, you then have to convince the suppliers, you have to convince everyone to come on board, and then you have to convince the distributors they want to work with you. So that takes 24 months. So it will take five, it takes four to five years. So if you talk to anyone starting a startup today, they should have a really good answer to the 2024 question. Because that's what they should be building today. They should not be doing a WordPress website. <laughs> Does anyone have any questions uh, for the guys? Do you think Amazon are going to have a big effect on that? Amazon have already been in trouble and in quite a big way tried it, put a lot of money behind it and jumped back out again. Uh, because travel is quite comp complex and Amazon are good at identifying what's simple and what co what's complex. However, the travel segment is so valuable that I cannot see Amazon not entering again. Mm. And my gut feel is at the moment they are playing on the back of voice. So as voice matures and they become a leader in voice, that they will start to go back in. Whether they go B2C or B2B or a mixture of both, I don't know, but I can't see them staying out of it. If they get it correct, they will be a major force because Amazon operates on free money, one of the only companies in the world that operates on free money. What do I mean by free money? They need to raise a billion dollars to go to the, their investors to get a billion dollars for free. Can mm. therefore you cannot compete with Amazon because if you go and raise a billion dollars, you have money to pay on that billion dollars. I'm raising 1.5 billion right now. But you have to pay it. No. no you I, have to pay money on it. No, I, I, well, I'm, no, I've set up a franchise system so that I can get 10,000 cars on the road, $150,000 each. That's 1.5 billion. But I'm hoping that local sightseeing companies will buy 50 cars each. But you did say the word <laughs> hoping. When Amazon asks for a billion, they get it within two days. So Amazon, I think, will be yeah. a player, but I don't know when. Oh. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, mostly these big companies come from being gatekeepers. So the original gatekeepers were the press. Now the gatekeepers are technology companies, and the gatekeepers will be uh, other companies. Um, you know, that's what it's about. You will always have to pay access to, be, to gatekeepers. That's just, you know, there will be new gatekeepers. If you're a small company, you will just pay money to gatekeepers. But what's important is that they stay a gatekeeper rather than try and become you. Because, you know, that's the difference between, for example, Uber is, gone, is called a vertical business. So they are the, the distribution, they're the technology, and they're the cars. So they're vertical. Whereas what, what we quite like as a concept is horizontal. So you get this sort of company that's very good at interfacing with customers, you get distribution technology, and then you get suppliers, because that keeps everyone as local suppliers. Verticals, like Uber, not so good for locals. But, yeah. Talking Bird. Yes. Discuss. Rubbish. <laughs> so Talking Bird is Google's uh, concept. So it's not, as, it's not an official Google um, product, but it's come out of their innovation labs. And it is technically live, so, uh, but they don't use the Google name on it. And it's coming at the problem of booking local tours and activities the opposite way to the data. So the data way is like, oh, this is available, put it in front of users. And Touring Bird is actually trying to filter and try and say, this might be good, you might be interested in this, you might like that. So it is Google um, trying to be more... Uh, more of a curator of experiences. And ultimately, that's, the re that's where all this big data stuff is not going to win. It's because it's all about experiences. It's, it's, this is the only thing that matters. No one's in the sightseeing industry. Everyone's in the experience industry. And Touring Bird is trying to do that. So Touring Bird, when you combine that concept with Reserve with Google, you get quite a powerful uh, combination. Um, I like it. Um, but um, the problem with all these things is that they, if Google takes no percent, then who's going to be their distribution partners? Do, does Google need a distribution partner? Does Google just put its own traffic down you know, past it rather than anything else? But at least if you know that you're paying uh, an OTA 20 to 30% commission, you know that they're giving 15% of that to someone, so to a hotel chain upstream. So you know, that there's, you know where the money is going. It's not just going to the online travel agent. It's, you know, they're sharing it upwards. Um, if Google's taking nothing, you're beginning to wonder, well, actually, who is the product? You know, like, like when on Facebook, you know, the line is, you know, if you're not paying for it, then, then you're the product. Well, that's, you know, if you're not paying for Google, you're the product, right? I just see it as a poor, poor attempt, considering the resources Google's got and the brains they've got and the money they've got. I just see it as a weak attempt at entering the space and... If you look at the numbers of Google innovations and how many they kill, uh, I suspect that one will be one of the ones that's killed. But they learn from everything they mm -hmm. kill, so I'm not saying the learning from it won't be applied in another way, but I don't see that product itself having a long life. I, I just, as someone who innovates a lot, it is incredibly hard innovating in public. Um, so when I, built my, when I built my last business, Tour CMS, I literally had eight years in the wilderness. No one cared what I was doing. And that was, and I thought I was really annoyed at the time because I thought, oh, people should care, and they didn't. But it was quite good for innovation because you could just do what you like, no one noticed. And now, now I just sort of tweet something, and everyone's like, "What are you doing, Alex?" I'm like, oh, "I don't know." So now you have to sort of send people off on wild goose chases and make them think you're doing something when you're actually doing something else, because <laughs> that's the only way you can innovate in public. So Google's got that problem times ten. So I am not at all surprised if they have lots of projects, subprojects, mm. sort of fake projects, whatever, because if you're trying to innovate in public, it is massively impossible. You spoke quite a lot about social and Facebook in particular. Um, what about Facebook groups? I mean, I've seen a lot of what about stuff within Facebook groups and they're massive. I just, I just quickly say, I'm really not the right person to answer about Facebook, because I don't even have a Facebook account. Okay. <laughs> I decided to get them off Facebook a while ago. Everybody gets hung up with social networks. <laughs> my social networks are just an online version of what yeah. we are doing here. It's just a bunch of people on a platform talking to each other. So that's all it is in essence. Therefore, if you're able to hold a conversation with a bunch of people and come to a solution and offer a product and sell a product face to face, can you just need to take that online. 
because you can do it online just as easy as you can do it face to face. Whether that's in groups, whether it's by pages, whether it's by paid ads, whether it's just by connections, it is just this online. It is as simple as that. I mean, I'm a member of one group that's got nearly 30,000 members. Yeah. They are all dedicated to finding out, knowing all about Scotland. Yeah. I sort of infiltrate that, discuss, answer questions, and I know full well that not just the people who are asking the questions see my answers. Yeah. And I get quite a bit of feedback, and it doesn't cost me a penny. Do you get mm. business with it? Uh -huh. Well, there you go. You're just having a chat with people when you get uh -huh. business with mm. it. It's worth about in, in using technology. Yeah. I think. One, of the, things, one of the weaknesses way. with people who are playing with social media from a business perspective is they're, it's not because they're Scottish and they're tight, a fundamental willingness not to pay. These platforms are set up for pay for access. If you want all that data, if you want to target laser light to your customer persona, you need to pay for it. And it's not expensive. Right, I can bring in six figures for spending 500 quid right, on Facebook. Six figures. So the information's there. You just need to understand who your customer is, be willing to pay a little bit, and you can drop whatever you want right on that customer, and it converts if you understand a little bit about conversion. It is the way to reach a market you've never been able to reach before. Well, I think uh, that's uh, enough for the questions because we've got obviously teams running on a little bit, but I think, guys, it was absolutely fascinating. Um, tours and activities, I think, in terms of Scotland, we're a bit behind. I think we do need to do things in terms of technology, getting onto booking, etc. And if we really want to challenge the OTAs and be an independent operator, I think it's it's proven that what Peter can do, you can do it on Facebook. So I think it's something that everyone needs to take on board. So guys, please round of applause for, for the speaker.